Welcome to the place where people of faith find real answers. We believe women deserve more than just religious band-aids for their most difficult and destructive relationships. And now for today's episode of Relationship Truth Unfiltered. Well, thank you for being with us on Relationship Truth Unfiltered. I'm Julie Sedanko, and I'm here with Karen, a member of Leslie's Private Conquer Membership Group. Married for close to 30 years, she and her husband were financially successful and both loved the Lord, but her husband had intense anger and control issues. A word of warning, some of what you'll hear in this story is disturbing, but it's also a story of bravery and incredible personal growth. Karen, thank you for being on the show today. I wonder if you would take us back to the beginning of your story, how you and your husband met. I met my husband in college. I graduated in May. We married in June. I was in a place in my life at that point. I just wanted to be led, if I'm being perfectly honest. My husband uh, is a very, very strong, like confident, demonstrative kind of man. And I was so drawn to that because at that time I was very much kind of questioning myself right away, really in the marriage, it was verbally and emotionally abusive. I just don't even think I realized that. So things had massively progressed over the years. We have three children. My husband is incredibly controlling controlling to, I can't even describe it other than extremely abusive. My son, who is 17 now, was really having the worst of it and had developed incredible anxiety to the point of having major anxiety attacks. He was throwing up. He was cutting himself. He shared with me that he almost committed suicide. And I was like, no more, no more. So I, um, devastating. I I can't even tell you (laughs) how hard that was. Now, keep in mind through all of this, my husband's response was he needs to get it together. He needs to learn how to deal with life kind of stuff. And, uh, so I found a counselor for our son. It was very difficult to get my son to even agree to see a counselor. So I sort of positioned it. Like these were, I had to think of it in like terms of an athlete and that these were learning tools for his toolbox for handling his anxiety Mm -hmm. Um, because there's no way he was going to go for counseling. Um, He went to a couple sessions. I eventually was able to get him on some anti-anxiety medicine. Things were massively, massively getting worse in our home. COVID put my husband in a complete tailspin. And as far as control was concerned, um, we live out in the country and he, we were not, nobody, nobody was allowed to do anything. And my daughters came home from college and just could not believe how bad things had gotten. And give me some um, examples of, of his controlling nature. I can give a lot of examples with my son, because I think what happened over time is Uh, my husband had kind of already started the discard phase with me and his focus became after our daughters left for college and and he was very controlling of their lives too. Um, then his whole focus kind of became our son. I was very peripheral in our home. I had no voice in our home because I, I really didn't matter. Um, so 
for example, my son did not eat when he wanted to eat, what he wanted to eat or how much. My husband dictated all of that. He could not talk to people that he, without my husband's consent. Um, my, my son does have a girlfriend. My, son, my husband limited the amount of time he could talk to her on the phone. Um, and I mean, even a minute uh, uh, that would be violated in that would mean he either had to break up with her or, you know, go a period of time without speaking to her. Um, how did he keep track of all of that? I mean, that's, that's a lot. That's very time consuming. My husband doesn't work. So, and, and this is all very complicated. So when my husband and I first got married, neither one of us really had any money. Um, my husband went into the financial industry and was incredibly successful. I will tell you, I think that my husband, um, in all fairness, I, I, he's never been like tested, but I think he's a genius. I mean, he has an amazing capacity to learn and uh, he's very, very hardworking. So he very quickly moved to the top of his company. There was a point in time where my husband was making, I mean, ridiculous amounts of money. Well, we kept a very, really a very modest lifestyle. Neither one of us ever really cared about money. Um, and we just invested everything. We invested, we invested, we invested. He had a very troubled childhood. That idea of financial security was very important to him. So my husband actually retired when he was, is he 36 or 38 years old? And he has been retired ever since. I'm 50 now. Uh, he's 51. So he hasn't worked in 15 years. And, and our investments have sustained us. So all of his time, energy, he's a man whose mind needs to be stimulated. But he's, he's not working. And so all of that almost manic need to have a purpose got put into micromanaging the family. Why can I ask why he won't? I mean, if why, why not go back to work? Was it better um, when he was working? When he was working, it was so much better. Still, there was control and verbal abuse, but it really got much worse once he stopped working. He didn't want to do anything, A, that he felt was below him. Uh, as far He wanted it to be worth his time. And we started a nonprofit and we were, were doing all kinds of work. We were going on like family missions trips and that gave him so much purpose. I, I don't know. I, I was constantly telling him, you know, let's explore. What, what do you want to do? And he kept saying, I don't know what I want to do. But then when it became about the kids, he'd be like, well, I don't want to do anything that's going to keep me from being able to go to all their games. We started homeschooling our kids. So he and I were homeschooling together. It just all became about micromanaging me and the kids. I, I, I don't know why he didn't go back to work. So anyway, things were continuing to get worse with my son. Uh, and I noticed that, so my husband played football. He played division one college football. And so literally the minute my son was born, my son was expected to get a full ride scholarship to play division one football. And so now here we are junior year of high school. This is when recruiting starts. And uh, the intensity in our home. So not only does my, did my son go to football practice, but then he and his dad spent a minimum 
of two hours every single day watching football film, analyzing football film. Um, like I said, the diet, the exercise, everything, his workouts, he'd work out with the team, but he'd also work out with his dad. You know, his dad needed to be in control of that situation. Um, and I noticed that my son was starting to throw up again. Mm-hmm. And my son always confided in me. These were things he confided in me. And so I tried to approach my husband about this. And he was always very adamant that, you know, I not discuss things in front of the kids, which, okay, that good. We were alone. I tried to address it and he went ballistic. And, and the, the language that he uses, I won't even use the language, but his favorite thing to say is you don't know what the F you're talking about. You know, and then he goes through this litany of all of his qualifications and how I have no qualifications that I've never done anything of value in my life, blah, blah, blah. So I was really concerned for my son and I was concerned for myself and my daughters. It was, it was basically time for my daughters to leave. So my oldest daughter graduated from college. She got a job in Nashville. My other daughter, it was time for her to go back to school. And my girls were like, we don't want to leave while you're still here you have to leave, you have to leave. And so um, it all came to an apex. We went away for a week as a family up to the Great Lakes. And while we, so we had just gotten a new dog, a dog that I did not want to get because my husband has always been abusive to our animals. And I begged him for us not to get another dog but he wanted a dog for security purposes because of it's all craziness. But anyway, he got angry when we got back from the trip and he shot the, he shot my dog. And what, what was he, why? The, so, so this was a very large, like Husky lab mix, a huge dog. And I had become very attached to the dog, especially because of COVID. I mean, I felt like that dog like saved my life. Um, And while we were gone, his mom was taking care of the dog and the dog got loose and ran off. And his mom was only contacting me because she knew that my husband would go ballistic if he knew the dog and the dog had run off before we were trying to train the dog. This was an adult dog. When we got it, we lived on a 60 acre live on a 60 acre farm in the country. So it takes time for a dog to know its territory and Huskies by nature are dogs that, that escape They're escape artists. She had let the dog into the screened in porch and the dog just opened the screened in porch door and, and ran off. So she was all nervous. And I kept telling her, you know what? It's okay. It's not your fault. If the dog he will most likely come back, you know, to eat, but if he doesn't, you know, don't worry about it. it you know, if I'm not upset with you, whatever. She was very, very worried. So, uh, the next day the dog had not come back. I told her to call the humane society. The dog had probably, probably been picked up. The dog was picked up. She went, got the dog, returned it to home. Only she and I knew about this on our way home from the trip my husband was talking to his mom on the phone and she told him about the situation with the dog and he went nuts and he said, that's it. He said, mom, I've got a chain out there. I want you to put the dog on the chain. He said, that dog is never coming off of that chain. It will live outside on the chain. And I was so upset because I didn't want another dog. He he had abused our other dogs 
I didn't want this dog. I knew this was going to happen. And I just, I got very upset. And I told him, I said, I am not going to have a dog that lives on a chain. I'm not. If it's not working out, we'll, we can take the dog to the Humane Society. But I will not have a dog for another 10 to 12 years that lives on a six foot chain. And he made a decision. So we got home and uh, I went out to walk the dog. And I asked him if he would go on a walk with me, with the dog, because I wanted to discuss it. I didn't want the kids to be around. So we started the walk and I said, you know, I said, I really don't think it's necessary to have the dog on the chain. Um, the dog is fine when he's in, we had a huge fenced in area for the dog. And I said, he got loose because your mom put him on the screened in porch. You know, I, I just feel like we can work this out. He immediately got furious said, once again, I refuse to submit to him. I refuse to value his authority. He grabbed the leash out of my hand and said, right now, the dog's either on the chain or I'm shooting the dog right now. He'd always do this. He'd create two alternatives. So he'd say you had a choice, but they were two unreasonable choices. And I said, no, that doesn't have to be the choices. We can just take the dog to the humane. No questions asked. We can just drop it off. We don't need to do this. And he went back to the house. He said, I'm shooting the dog right now. Went back to the house, got the gun and shot the dog. Here's the crazy part. This is when the scales fell from my eyes. It wasn't that he shot the dog, as devastating as that was. I ran upstairs, the kids were all upstairs and our kids are adults. I mean, they're 23, 21 and 17. And I, I said, kids, I said, dad, your dad's about to shoot the dog. And they're like, dad's not going to shoot the dog. And I said, yes, he is. And we heard the gunshot. We all pretended like nothing happened. I went and made dinner. My son went and watched a movie with his dad. The girls went to their rooms. And I was like, what in the hell is wrong with us? He just shot our dog. And we're all so afraid of them that we're pretending like it didn't happen. I mean, this is crazy. And that's- a I, 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 I am appalled for you. I, I mean, I, I'm sitting here like an idiot with a, a foster dog and three foster cats. And I'm like, but I work with a rescue agency and just there's so many places, you're right, that would have taken him. It, and we had the dog for four months. I'm so sorry. That's when the, I, I can't even describe it as anything other than scales just falling from my eyes. So we kind of set what we call D-Day. I begged him to, to even address the fact that he, he had an issue with rage. And no, I, he has no issue. I mean, I have a recording on my phone of a conversation that we had. Because I, I got to the point where I felt like I need to start recording our conversations. Because I thought I was losing my freaking mind. Because I would, I know I'd said things to him. And he'd say, you never said that. Or, or vice versa. I'd say, you said this. And he'd say, I never said that. Like, I started feeling like I need to record these conversations. Because I'm either crazy have early onset Alzheimer's disease. I have written in the back of my Bible, I'm afraid I have early onset Alzheimer's disease because 
I can't remember. I couldn't remember things. Did your husband ever touch you or the kids? No, um, no. And, and I will say there were times where I almost goaded him. Cause I thought if he just beat the out of me, <laughs> then I could leave. Right. But he never did. My kids would tell you they feel like they were also physically abused, not because he hit them. So we, we built this big barn and we called it the sports barn. Um, and it was basically the size of a regulation tennis court. And inside it was basically a gym. We, we had our own gym and he would put the kids through training. I mean, he'd make them work out till they threw up. They'd be crying. I mean, he was creating athletes. And I will tell you, my, my middle daughter and my son are amazing athletes. And they will tell you, we wouldn't be the athletes that we are if it, if it weren't for dad. But that was abuse. I mean, what they went through was abuse. Um, my oldest daughter experienced it all too. And she was also a fantastic athlete. I mean, they were all expected to get D1 college scholarships for sports. So, so all that to say, no, he never hit us. Verbal abuse, absolutely more than anything, emotional abuse. He has, since I left, uh, he has completely disowned both of our daughters. I have since found a lawyer. I've been gone for six months. I begged my husband to reconcile because I'm an idiot. No contact at all. I mean, I am dead to him. I, I'm dead. I don't exist. And so why, I, why, why reconcile? Why were you wanting to reconcile? Uh, it's okay. I mean, I've loved him my whole life. Yeah. And I made a vow and I don't want to see the end of my family because I don't hate him. I feel so sorry for him. He's so sick. And he's gotten worse. And there is such a good man deep inside there. Um, I mean, my husband led me to Christ. How could somebody who I saw Christ in him, I saw something in him that I didn't have and I wanted. How did he turn into a monster? I, um, and I just wanted to believe that Christ could do a miracle in my husband. Um, and I think Christ wants to do a, a miracle in my husband. And I think my husband is, his heart is, is hard. But it's taken me, it took me, I'd say the first, um, three months of being out of the home and having it and being able to breathe to realize that um, God is capable, but he doesn't force it. And he is allowing my husband to have consequence to his behavior. And this could have been the rock bottom that caused my husband to, to, to finally cry out. I know why I know the psychology of my husband. My, my, my husband's dad left when he was a, a young 12 years old, he felt abandoned. 
he has harbored hate and unforgiveness for his dad his entire life. And that has manifested as bitterness and it has seeped into every single relationship in his life. He cut, he cut, as soon as a relationship gets difficult, my husband discards. And I, for 27 years thought, I'll show him what unconditional love looks like. And he'll realize he's safe and he'll realize he can forgive and he'll be healed. I had a media, I, I had a Jesus complex. I thought I could love him into healing. Now I knew that God had to do that, that healing, but I thought I could make him feel safe enough to, to embrace it anyway. So he had just this week, just the other day. So I had a little bit of paperwork to fill out with the divorce, you know, finding out all that financial stuff. And so I was calling to find out what our monthly payment is for our health insurance and found out my husband had taken both me and my daughter off of the health insurance and the car insurance. We've been driving for weeks with no car insurance and no health insurance. He's, we're, you don't pay for insurance for people who are dead. We're dead to him. We're dead. So what are you doing financially then? When I left, and, and I know this even makes me look more naive. <laughs> so I work once a week at a, at a pregnancy center. I have counseled women in, in abusive relationships. I have had alternatives to violence come in and counsel these women while I took notes for them because they were so traumatized on how to leave an abusive relationship, never recognizing that I was in an abusive relationship because he wasn't hitting me. But anyway, um, so I knew I needed to get, get some money before I left. So that day that I left, so literally my husband, he rarely leaves the house. He was leaving the house. He was going to be gone for four hours. He walked out the door and my girls were like, they were immediately in action. They had boxes. My oldest daughter had a friend with an SUV who was at the house within 15 minutes. They had me packed and out in by say so he left at I think 7:30 that morning. They had me packed in out by 10:30. I was wandering out around the house like sort of like a zombie. Um, but I didn't really take very much because my hope was that I was going to leave. I was then going to call him and say I we're separating for a time. And you know, first time in my life, I was creating some boundaries. You, I need you to agree to at least three months of personal counseling to work on your anger and rage. I need you to agree to at least three months of marriage counseling between the two of us. And I need to see you take accountability for what you are doing and starting to change. And I'm, and I'll be back. Um, I went to the bank and I took out half of what was in our checking account. I took out uh, from the nonprofit that we run, I took half of the money out of that. And we had some money in a safe in our house. We had a couple thousand dollars. I took all of that. And I, and I told, I wrote it all out to him and I said, this is what I did. And my desire is for us to reconcile. If we do, this is both of our money anyway. And so, you know, I will return it. If we don't, Half of our, you know, our assets are going to be divided between the two of us. And I'm letting you know right now that this is, that's why I only took half of each of these accounts. Um, so I had that money. 
Um, I do have my own business. I, I have a photography business, which is a part-time seasonal business, but I was in the heat of my busy season when I left. So I have had income coming in from that. I mean, by income, I mean, I profit about $20,000 a year with this business. So I can't support myself on it, but that money was coming in at that time. And then I have, I told you we have a lot of investments. Well, I did not have access to any of the investments except for, I do have a Roth IRA that is in my name. So I basically took money out of my Roth IRA to use to pay rent and utilities and that sort of thing. So I was like, what am I going to do? Like where I have nowhere to go. And I have, I don't have any family in, in the area. Uh, I have many close friends and I knew I could go like, I knew my best friend would take me in, but I also knew that was the first place my husband would think. And um, I can't overemphasize. My husband is a very violent man and he's been arrested for fighting. We have a lot of weapons. We have a lot of guns. I mean, like he's a dangerous man and I would not put anybody in jeopardy. So um, this is so crazy, but I taught exercise classes for 17 years and I had a, a, I had a very faithful following of women in my class. And there's a woman who had taken my exercise class for 17 years. And I, I just was praying to God. I'm like, God, where do I go? Where do I go? And this woman kept popping into my head. So I went to her door. <laughs> I am not kidding you. And she and I are friends, you know, but um, I knocked on her door and I said, uh, and her husband was also there. And I said, uh, I need to talk to you guys about something. And I said, I don't want you to answer me right now, but I explained the situation. And I said, is there any way I can stay with you just until I can find a place to, you know, it'll just be for like a week or a couple of days, maybe until I can find a place to go. And they said, we don't even need to discuss it. Of course you can stay here. I ended up having this, I stayed with them for two weeks until I finally found this house that I am now. But I knew my husband would never in a million years guess he'd have no idea where I was. And they were very adamant. They did not even want like my kids to know where I was to, in order to protect themselves. But, um, I mean, they were amazing. They were amazing. That's incredible. What an incredible story. And do you, do you have any contact with him now? So initially I was, I was trying to reach out to him and I've kept record of everything. So he changed his phone number. He changed his email address. Um, he specifically banned me from going to our home. Uh, he put a, we, so I told you we have 60 acres. Our driveway is a mile long. We have no neighbors. He put a chain and a padlock on the gate to the house and barbed wire on the sides. I did go to the house a couple times with him not knowing and he went through, I mean, anything that would even slightly remind him of me, a knickknack, a picture, anything, it's all gone. And I found everything on the floor of my daughter's room in garbage bags. I mean, he like opened drawers and just dumped all my stuff in. The closet is removed. Ev everything. Everything. That would even make him think of me is erased from the house. I'm dead. It's like I never existed. I never existed. 
if you went into our house right now, you think my husband had been a, a single father, his, his, our kids' whole lives. I don't exist in that house. How does that make you feel? You know, when I went through the house, it was really surreal. I wanted to cry and I couldn't cry. It was so, I felt like I was in a movie. Like one of those movies, like a woman's been erased. Like, did she ever really exist? In my own head, I was like, I, I, I lived in this house for 20. That was our second home. So I lived in that house for 21 years. Everything in the house was, I had done. I, I planted the grass in the yard, every tree, every plant I planted. Like I was, I wasn't there anymore. So have you filed for divorce or how are you, are you going to split the thing? I mean, what is. So just this week, actually. Um, and it was, so just this week I turned in my paperwork. Um, my lawyer's looking it over now. She told me she will type it all up. The next step would be me going into her office to, you know, sign it and have it notarized. And then she'll, she'll take it to the court. Um, I, I, I don't know. My husband retaliates. So I don't know what he's going to do when he gets sort of the divorce papers. He might go ballistic or he might. I mean, I, I recognize that I am dead in his mind. So he may just kind of be like, whatever. Um, you know where you are now? He, he, um, I have not told him where I am now, but my son knows where I am and my husband's mother knows where I am. So my husband knows where I am. Are you scared? Do you have a plan, a safety plan? Or I have a safety plan. When I first left, I, I was kind of afraid. And, I, and I, I need to, and I hope you understand this. So I've never lived by myself before. I lived in my family home. I went to college. I lived with three other girls. I graduated in May. I got married in June and I've been with my husband ever since. I realized when I left, if I let fear set in, I was not going to make it like, I'm not a very big woman. Um, I am not going to be afraid. I am not going to be afraid. And this house is my safe place. I, I am going to tell you how real God has been in all of this. There's no explanation other than divine intervention by God since I've left. And one situation. Okay. So several weeks ago, so I went back to the house at Christmas time. I didn't have any of my winter stuff. I didn't have my winter coats. I didn't have my winter pajamas. I didn't have any of that stuff because when I, I left in July, at the end of July, thinking I'd be back in my house. So my husband will not communicate. And I've been strictly banned from the home. So he took my son away for the entire week of Christmas. He took him on a trip. So I went to the house. I cut the barbed wire. I couldn't get my car through because of the chain on the gate, but I walked back to the house. That's when I found the bags of my stuff, all of that stuff. It, and it took me hours, but, but I took the bags. I took my things and I replaced the barbed wire when I left, not because I was being secretive, but because I did not want to, what my husband would call poke the bear. And I didn't want them to get back from this trip for him to see that and go ballistic with my son right there. Now we have security cameras. He's the most paranoid person in the world. There's security cameras all over our house. I did not hide from the security cameras. I assumed he would know I was there. I had checked with my local police chief before I went. He said, you have every right to go to your house and get your things. So anyway, he did not find out that I had even been there 
because all my stuff was closed in my daughter's room and that door was closed. He must've for some reason gone in and seen that the bags were gone, whatever. My son sent me a text and he said, were you at the house while I was gone? Well, we were gone. And I said, yes, give me a call. And he said, did you use a locksmith to get in? And I said, give me a call. Cause at this point I'm like, is this my son or is this my husband who's texting me from my son's phone? And he texted back and said, I'm so freaking mad at you. I'm not calling you answer the question. And at this point I'm thinking, I definitely think this is my husband and not my son. So I said, I'll answer all of your questions when you um, call me. And I didn't hear anything. And so then I thought he's going to retaliate. He knows I was there. He feels I have violated him by going into his house. He's going to come to my house. And this was early in the morning. And I like got, I, I, I got scared and I quickly got dressed. I packed a bag. I got in my car. So the neighborhood that I'm in, there's only one road to get into the neighborhood and my house is on the corner. So you can see my house from that road to get in. And I sat for hours in my car watching the house, waiting to see if he was going to go to violate me. And, and I'd taken my Bible with me and I finally, I was like, God, I cannot live like this. That's my safe place. I'm not letting him take that for me. And I said, I need to know if I am safe to go back there. And I, and I did one of those. I'm like, God, I know I'm not supposed to test you, but I need a direct word from you. And I said, I'm going to open my Bible. I'm literally going to just open it. And I need a word from you. I opened my Bible. It's literally look down. And it said, do not fear. I am with you. Although you search for your enemies, you will not find them. Those who rage against you. I mean, even the fact that the scripture used the word rage, because that's what that has been like the key word in me trying to address my husband is about his rage. And it says those who rage against you, like it was the most surreal, specific word from God. And I, I just said, okay, I'm, I can go back. I'm safe. And, and this house is my safe place. And I have a safety plan. That's how this all started. I have a safety plan. I don't want to be harmed, but I am not afraid. If my husband breaks into this house and kills me, and he's capable of that, I know where I'm going. I'm not afraid to die. Do I, I don't want to die, but, and I have a safety plan in place. I've gone around to all my neighbors. I have literally given them a picture of my husband on a piece of paper with our local police department's phone number on it, all of this stuff. And said, if you even see him here, call the police. Um, I have a red light bulb on my back porch, on the back porch light. I told my neighbors, if you see that light on, call the police. It means my husband is here. So that's my safety plan. And that's all stuff I got from, from Leslie, you know, like I would not have created a safety plan. That's amazing. Tell me the role that conquer played as you're living this out. Um, more than anything at all, what, what, uh, Leslie's ministry and conquer has done for me. So I stayed in this marriage. I excused and I enabled for a very long time, be largely what hung me up with scripture. 
and scripture has been used by my husband. And, and if I'm being perfectly honest by myself to been misused, to make me believe that I needed to submit to my husband in everything. I mean, it, it's been crazy since I left. I found, I I've always used prayer journals. I mean, I have, I have journals from 1999 where I am saying, I need to learn to submit. I just need to forgive. I need to keep no record of wrongs. Um, I need to love him more. And Leslie's using, explaining scripture and using scripture to help me to understand that yes, God intended marriage forever and he hates divorce, but he doesn't value marriage more than the individuals in the marriage. And I think she's used those exact words. She has. Um, it just, I would stay in an abusive marriage if leaving dishonored God. And to know that leaving, I'm sorry. Don't be sorry. <laughs> that I could leave and, and God is blessing it. I mean, it's so opposite from everything that I have understood. I mean, God has been so real. Look at what he did in that, just that one day. And that's just one example of so many I could share with you. He has spoken directly to me. So do you, you're, you're saying you see God differently now and you know. I, it's not that I see God differently. It's that I see marriage differently, I guess. It's, it's that I, I was, I was tied to that vow and, um, like for better, or for worse. I just kept telling myself, well, this is a worse. Do you know how many women I have counseled in marriage and how many women have literally like put me on a pedestal as the example of how you biblically submit. And, and I'm always like, marriage is like a roller coaster and there's times that are bad, but you know, you, you, you dig into your commitment. And I think in a healthy marriage, this is also true. Uh, this was modeled for me in my parents' marriage who have been married forever. They're 81 years old and they've been married forever. Like I grew up seeing that marriage evidence flowed, you know, that there were times when I would see in my parents, you know, their marriage was wonderful and they were very much in love. And then there'd be difficult times and they would just have to hang in there. And so I would tell other women marriage is like a roller coaster and it, and it ebbs and flows. And when you're in a difficult time, you, you, you hang on to that vow that you've made. But what I came to realize in my own marriage, because it wasn't a healthy marriage was that I wasn't experiencing the ebb and flow of marriage. I was experiencing the abuse cycle. I didn't even know what the abuse cycle was. So I knew that my husband and I, for pretty much 27 years, we're on a, we'd say we get in a big fight every three months. And that was the abuse cycle repeated every three months. Now, before I left the abuse, like there was not even like the love bombing was gone. And it was pretty much the, the being on eggshells, the tension building was 85% of my marriage with an occasional episode of rage. 
and then we would go back, you know, but, but so that's what I, that is what Conquer taught me. That's what going through the modules taught me. It taught me the abuse cycle. It taught me that I was not dishonoring God by creating boundaries and possibly leaving my marriage that God values me and my husband more than he values the, this marriage, which was incredibly dysfunctional. It has helped me to, to recognize that I needed to do this for my kids, that staying in this marriage for the kids was a complete farce. My kids are a mess. And what I'm experiencing now is huge parental alienation. That son, that son that helped me find this house I'm living in, and that son who 225 pounds laid in my arms sobbing, won't speak to me now. He won't see me. He won't speak to me. If I knew that was going to happen, it, and, it, and it's, you know what? It's a good thing I didn't know that was going to happen because I would not have left. I would not have left. And I, I know I had to leave. I had to leave. And I believe with every core in my body that my son and I will eventually be reconciled. And I, um, I, think, I think that eventually when that happens, the scales will have to fall off his eyes. So he doesn't become your husband. If you had stayed, he would have never been forced to see it. It's, it's like, do you love your son enough to let him cut you off? to let him have those boundaries and to let him as long as it takes, have that journey. Cause I, you know what? I mean, you and I both know he was cutting himself. He was throwing up. He knows, he knows, but I think he's going to have to deal with his own demons that are inside too. So you're, you're doing the most loving thing a mother could do. It has been, the hardest part all out of all of this for the first about couple months. <laughs> and I, I refer to those as me, the, the months I was pretty much in the fetal position on my floor. <laughs> um, since I have dealt with the reality, I always talk about clarity, 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 because th that part of core being courageously committed to truth that, that was the light bulb for me. I mean, being, and, and courageous has to be in there because it takes so much courage to address the truth. Once I could only see the truth of my marriage, I knew that, that me leaving was the right thing to do. The hard part about this is, and, it, and it's life. God doesn't tell us that because we're doing the right thing, it's going to be easy. It, this isn't easy. I'm doing the right thing. I'm doing the right thing, not just for me, not just for my kids. I'm doing the right thing for my husband. I just, my heart hurts so much. I miss my son so much. And I am so worried about him. And I don't have any communication with him. And I kept thinking about mothers whose sons were in the military and like we're off fighting in a war. And you know, you, you can't see your son. You can't communicate with your son. You can't keep him safe. You know, he's in danger's way. And how, what it must be like to be a mother like that. And this just shows you, I'm a little crazy. I got in my bathtub and I put my ears under the water. You know, that weird, like, you know, you could, you could hear your own heartbeat. Mm -hmm. And I laid in that water and I thought, if 
I can't be with him physically. I just, maybe I can be with him spiritually. And I just prayed to God that my son felt like this undeniable truth in his heart mm -hmm. that I love him and I will always love him. And I like, it was this weird spiritual thing, me laying in the bathtub and I could hear my heart and I was just trying to like give it to my son. And I, I just, I have to believe in my heart that he knows that. I, I believe it a hundred percent. Thank you for being willing to share your story because I, I think it really, well, I, I don't think I, it's going to help a lot of people. I really believe that to, to have some courage because you've shown a lot. Thank you for listening to Relationship Truth Unfiltered. If you haven't subscribed yet, be sure to hit that follow button. And we would appreciate if you would leave your honest rating and review of this podcast. Well, until next time, may God bless your mind, your heart, and your home.